welcome back to Digital Dialogue. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Scott. This week, we are joined by Colleen. Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> welcome back to talk about back-end development. But first, here's our social media minute for the week. So according to social media today, TikTok is developing a feed of curated content. This will ideally be similar to Snapchat's Discover page. Original videos from popular TikTok creators and videos from professional publishers will be found on it. The article continues saying that the added curation would give TikTok moderators more control over the viewing experience, ensuring that advertisers don't end up having their ads wedged in between controversial posts. Yeah, no one wants to see their ad next to something that they don't agree with or something exactly. like that. Exactly. Especially TikTok's so new, I don't think mm -hmm. they've really figured that out yet, how to kind of regulate the content, because a lot of stuff can be found on there. Yep. I um, mean, it's like all over the place, TikTok. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, some people say it's the new Vine. I say it's the new Vine because yeah. it is. <laughs> Just it's with unbelievable growth, too. Yeah, very unbelievable. So popular. So cool. So for my story, according to Facebook's official blog, they are rolling out measures to protect the 2020 census. Facebook stated that we will begin enforcement next month and use a combination of technology and people to proactively identify content that may violate this policy. All content surfaced will be assessed by a team of reviewers who will benefit from the training and guidance of a consultant with census experience. And, as with voter interference, which is very important, content that violates our census interference policy will not be allowed to remain on any platforms as newsworthy, even if posted by a politician. So we've talked about this in the past with, this, uh, with the election coming yeah. up, but this is the census. But kind of two in the same thing, or very similar, just making sure that it's secure. Yeah, which is good, especially because obviously they probably run into issues in yeah. the past, so it's kind of good to start taking control of that. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now we want to get into what exactly back-end development is with Colleen. That is why she is here. Mm -hmm. But to start, in somewhat simple terms, back-end development languages handle the behind-the-scenes functionality of web applications. It's code that connects the web to a database, manages user connections, and powers the web application or site itself. Back-end development works in tandem with the front-end to deliver the final product to the end user. Does that sound right, Colleen? Yeah, it's, I mean, perfectly right. And like with backend development, there's like so many different, uh, I would say, branches to it because you yeah. can have more so what we do here is WordPress backend development, but then you have other people who do more like database or other things such as they use like a language called Python and all of that. So backend development has so many different ways, um, branches, etc. But Back so many end. languages, yeah, too. Yeah, so many languages. If someone's like a full-stack backend developer, that means they literally know almost everything. <laughs> yeah, so that kind of ties in like to our first question. What's your favorite programming language, and why is that? So the ones I encounter with every day um, for programming, I do enjoy PHP a lot. It's been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. Facebook is mainly main, made of mm -hmm. PHP. Um, which is interesting. And the thing is, like, with backend developing, with coding in general, like, you don't always tend to use everything that language offers, but then depending on the project, you then get into the nitty-gritty aspect. And that's why I kind of like PHP more, because it's, like, a certain functionality with, like, arithmetic operators, um, which is simple multiplying, subtracting, but can be very in-depth if it needs to be. So it's always, like interesting learning all the different um 
what do you call it, instances PHP can use for our everyday websites we make. So that's one of my favorites. And then another one of mine is, I mean, JavaScript and jQuery. Very tough for me um, because there's so many ways to do one thing. And that's with, like, a lot of, like, different other languages. I can't say for all because I haven't, you know, touched others. But yeah. for that particular one, it's interesting to see how you can do one thing many different ways. Mm-hmm. Still learning that one. But forever yeah. we'll be learning any language, really. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I found reading, too. It's, like, there's many different ways to do, like, solve problems using code. So it's mm-hmm. what your personal preference is, too. Mm-hmm. What is, like, the largest site you've ever worked on? I don't think we've ever really talked about that with you. Maybe we have, but... Um, <laughs> the largest site I've worked on, several here at Young yeah. Mill, I'll say... The biggest one I can think of is Archaeological Institute of America because that was integrating uh, Drupal, their uh, current CMS at the time, into WordPress. And then that website really integrated a lot of the nitty-gritty aspects of WordPress of like reverse queries, regular queries, uh, making sure certain custom post sites relate to others depending on the relationship of that. It got into very intense logic with PHP going back to that first question where I would feel like in the broad spectrum that is one of the biggest sites I've worked on here I remember that that was definitely a really big site yeah (laughs) (laughs) for sure so when you're working on a site how do you take SEO into account yes we're obsessed with SEO Mm -hmm. so we use a plugin called Yoast it's a very popular SEO plugin and there's a couple ways we go about that usually when we complete a client's website we will do a WordPress training. And in this WordPress training, I tell them bare bones of it, how to edit meta tags, meta titles, meta descriptions, like what to do with like tags when you're on posts and categories. Um, so for instance, let's say you're on the about page and you're editing the meta title. You can go into that Yoast plugin and edit that meta title to be instead of just about us, maybe a bar, and then whatever the site name or company may be, mm-hmm. into something a little more in-depth, and then relate those keywords to the content along with the meta title and the meta description. But they keep in mind meta description, well, obviously you guys know, but some users or people out there listening, That's no um, that meta descriptions are mainly for the user. Me, personally, I would never really hit, like, click a site when I'm searching on Google if it doesn't have, like, that little introduction of that page what it looks like of entailing what it is um but then if they want to get more in depth like keyword research and so forth uh we like offer an seo package here young mule and then it gets into that indefiniteness but i show them at least like whatever you write in the main content of the blog add some tags to it so it kind of relates and then make sure the meta title and description kind of relates some of those keywords within that mix up yeah it all has to work together for it to be successful What's extremely hard about coding that normal people like Caitlin and I might not, not normal, but you know. (laughs) Yeah, non-coders. Non-coders, yes. Um, I guess the reality of being able to do certain things, uh, I would say, is the hardest. Mainly because, and that's kind of broad topic, Mm -hmm. but for instance, like, um, let's say a designer or a client has this great idea and we actually think it's cool too, but then realistically... We try to do it, and you can't do it. Yeah. There are limitations still to coding. I mean, technology is forever evolving. Um, one of those limitations is, like, 
making sure it works on every browser. Like for instance, like Internet Explorer like doesn't support what Firefox or Chrome may support, um, even the latest version. So I guess the hardest thing about coding is one, I'll say a couple different points, which is that broad spectrum is number one, but two is making sure your code is clean. Mm. To me, that's not terribly difficult, but for a lot of other developers, if it's not clean, then it's hard to read, especially if other developers, you know, take a look at it later and try to adjust some yeah, things that are Yeah, there's a lot more work on their end yeah. to try to figure everything out. Figure everything out, figure out what type of functions they're, like, they're doing. But um, i got to say the third thing for like, what's extremely hard about coding is ensuring that you're... I guess using the, not correct, I wouldn't say, but the most, I don't even know about why they use, but more so the better solution. Mm-hmm. So with like the more efficient. Yeah, yeah, more efficient, yes, correct. So that's that's that, and also making sure you're not forgetting a semicolon or something. I, I feel like that <laughs> would be, obviously, all the reasons that you said, I'm, I mm-hmm. completely can agree with that or at least just from what I've read but um I feel like the attention to detail is key yeah especially if you've been coding for hours on end there were times when I was in college I was coding like hours on end like a whole day of this project and I ran into an error and it's always like a forgotten semicolon or like something so that also is a little indent or something yeah yeah, just like random stuff Mm -hmm. stuff like that yeah so I guess what tools do you use to find a performance bug? So um, I use Inspect Tools quite often. I, you can say every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so for instance, like if I want to make a quick change but not make it actually like a published change, I'll use Inspect, which will inspect the browser. And then you can inspect a certain element of that page. And then you can kind of go on the styles on the right side and change those styles. But also it has different tabs at the top. So, for instance, if there's, like, a JavaScript or jQuery error, um, you can go in the console, and then you can see what is happening, like, what is missing. It's, like, one of the best tools out there. It's on every browser, just pulled in a little differently. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly use that to figure out, and, I mean, for those who use WordPress out there, there's also the WP debug function that I use during development. And then once that uh, site's all done, make sure you put that back to false. So... Nice. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Great well, answers. Thank that you. was really helpful because yeah. I feel like a lot of times too would ask like, "What advice do you have?" But I feel like all those questions <laughs> yeah. are pretty good advice yeah. for anyone starting out that wants to become a coder. Yeah, um, and like I can get into way more details. Yes. Also, yeah. look out for Colleen's tutorials that will be coming out in the next couple of months. Oh yeah, covering anything <laughs> you can think of WordPress. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah. It'll be good. It'll be definitely like a fountain of knowledge. Absolutely. <laughs> Might need your guys' help of relooking over my directions. Yes. <laughs> no, we're here. We got we're you. Yeah. Help you out with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. So, of course. Bye. Thank you so much.